You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 108. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski, and today my guest is someone that's a little bit different. And I say that because I think for most people in the fitness industry, you wouldn't put the two of us together. You may put us on opposing sides, quote unquote, opposing sides, and it's one of the reasons that I was so excited when she reached out to me to be able to come on the podcast because I I don't think we need to be. I don't think that we need to have this these opposing sides. And I think the more that we can find common ground with um, people of the intuitive eating movement, of the haze movement, um, of the body positivity movement, the more common ground that we can find, which by the way, I think there is a lot more common ground <laughs> than there is uncommon ground. But I think the more that we're able to find that common ground, the better we're able to move forward and support more women. And that's the goal. I think that's the goal for most women in the fitness industry, whether you are a health at every size proponent or you're, you know, an intuitive eating proponent. We just want to empower women. We want women to be able to live their best life. And the way that we do that may look a little bit different. But the goal is still the same. And I think there's a lot of overlap um, in, in a lot of these movements with macro counting. And I'm all for finding that common ground. If you've been around the podcast a while, you know that I know that I've done a couple of podcasts about macros and intuitive eating. And if you go back to episode 29, all the way back to episode 29, I did a podcast called Rant Macros and Intuitive Eating. And I talk about this concept, like that these two things can coexist. These two things can, there's a lot of overlap. Um, And then in episode number 74, Macro Counting Isn't a Diet, I talk about how a lot of coaches and people in the macro world have turned macro counting into a diet, but that does not mean that it is a diet. And so I kind of elaborate my thoughts and ideas about the tool that macro counting is and the fact that as a tool, it can be used, yes, as a diet, but that doesn't mean it has to be used as a diet. And I'm really big in the way that I coach and the way that I teach macros and the way that I use it to be able to use it as that tool to help build someone up, not create guilt and shame and restriction. So if you haven't listened to those two episodes, episode 29 and episode 74, those are really good intro episodes to listen to, to kind of get uh, my perspective and thoughts on where macro counting fits in the whole like fitness industry uh, and specifically where macro counting, the way that I teach it fits. So, but moving on to today, what we have going on today on the podcast. My guest today is Elizabeth Dahl. And 
She helps women who struggle with emotional eating and dieting be able to find balance with their food and find that, that food freedom. And I think it's interesting that both of us use that word food freedom and you'll hear macro counters use the word food freedom that uh, macro counting allowed them to find food freedom. And then you'll hear the intuitive eating folks use the word food freedom and say that, you know, intuitive eating is the way to find food freedom. And I think the common ground here is that ultimately what we really want is for women to find that food freedom. And whether it is through intuitive eating, whether it is through macros, and we're actually going to talk about how those two can kind of work hand in hand. Um, the ultimate goal is still the same. It is being able to find that freedom with food, being able to free up your mind space so that it's not all about restriction. It's not all about guilt. It's not all about shame. It is about a healthy, balanced relationship with food and with your body. And so Elizabeth and I, we share that, we share that goal. Like that's where we want you to get to. Now we may have different methods and we may have different ways that we get you there, but that's the ultimate goal. And so we have a really good conversation and I'm really excited for you to listen to it because again, most people would look at us and be like, oh yeah, they're on like opposite sides of the spectrum. And what we did during this episode is we found a lot more common ground than uncommon ground. And I think the more that we have these types of, of um, conversations with people who maybe like see the world a little differently or have a different perspective, it is so incredibly valuable. We don't have to make other people wrong to make ourselves right. Uh, and that is what I think we need more of, in sp especially in the fitness industry where I feel like as of late, it's, it's, it's an us versus them mentality. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be us versus them. It can be all of us fighting for women, all of us fighting for you being able to have the best experience and live your best life together. Like we can do that together. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. So we're going to hop right into it. My episode with Elizabeth Dahl. All right. I would like to welcome Elizabeth Dahl to the podcast. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you doing? I am doing well, and I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for me having too. me. Me too. I think we are going to have a really excellent conversation, and I'm really excited to be able to share it with my audience because I was telling you before we hit record that I feel like our worlds often are at war with each other, and we both agreed that they don't have to be. And so um, I'm really excited. You reached out to me about coming on the podcast, and I will have to tell you that I have people reach out to me all the time, all the time wanting to be on the podcast. And most of the time it's like an immediate no. Um, but when you reached out to me and I like looked at what you were about and how you were talking and, and the ideas that you had to bring on the podcast, I was like, heck yes. Like I so want to be able to have this conversation. So I'm just really grateful for you to be able to come on and to be able to kind of blend our two worlds. Um, so before we dive into all of the, the juicy stuff that we're going to talk about, um, can you just give us a little bit of introduction? If somebody's brand new to you, who are you, what do you do and, and how do you help women? Yes. Okay. So I am Elizabeth and I am an exercise physiologist as well as a health coach, a wellness coach. And I help women who are fed up with dieting, make peace with food and be able to reach their goals without feeling like they have to go on that next diet and all of that. So, um, that's, that's what I do. I own a woman of wellness and, and I help teach these women that we can have a happy relationship with food and still reach our goals and not feel like we have to be stuck in this cycle of dieting and frustration with food. And so that is why I think this conversation is so important because it's important to have a balance of both of this freedom and also recognizing that there are ways that healthy foods can balance a healthy lifestyle. 
Yes. Awesome. And this is why, like, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, you guys have like totally opposing viewpoints, right? Like Elizabeth's teaching about like this healthy relationship with food that doesn't involve dieting, that doesn't involve like this constant, like necessarily, you know, trying to get thinner and like jumping from diet to diet to do so. And, you know, Amber talks about macro counting and be able to like use macros in order to achieve your, your goals. Um, you know, how are these women like coming on a podcast and being able to talk about this, uh, in a way that, that is like productive and that you're able to like see both sides. So, um, when you talk about a relationship with food, and I think this word gets thrown around a lot, right? Like having a healthy relationship with food, finding food freedom, right? And of course that's going to mean something different to every single person. But when we talk about food freedom or when we talk about a healthy relationship with food, how are you defining that? Or what are you hoping that women are able to achieve in terms of them and their relationship with food? Yeah, a relationship with food, it was formed when we were born, right? If we think about our connection with food, it was there from that moment we took our first feed. And so what I want the women to understand is having a relationship with food is a good thing. It's a normal thing. And sometimes we want to like separate ourselves from food or feel like, you know, we don't have anything to do with it or it's not a big deal or anything like that. But what I want to teach is that there is a possibility and a hope for a good relationship with food. And what happened as we got older and as we grew up, we were told different things about food. We were told different things about our bodies being different than what they were supposed to be than what she looked like, than what, you know, the media said we should be. And so we turned to food to kind of change our body. And so that's where this negative relationship with food came in. And so we're going around with this painful relationship with food, I guess you'd say. And what I'm here to suggest is that we can enjoy food. We can look forward to food. It can be a happy part of our, of our life. It doesn't have to be a neutral part. It can be enjoyable. And so that's kind of the path that we want to take is looking at your relationship with food. Is it in this negative mindset because of the things that you taught as you were, as you grew up and you learned about dieting and all those things. But when we shift and we look at the way that we can see food in this positive light, it makes food enjoyable. It makes something, it's something that we can look forward to and be happy about instead of fear or dread. Yeah. So good. Um, Will you elaborate a little bit more? Sometimes I feel like with women and, and especially with things that we've grown up with all, all our lives, um, sometimes we're like a fish in water where we don't really think about the water that's around us and because we just don't know any different, right? So what would you say um, if somebody is looking at their, you know, is, is hearing what you're saying and they're thinking about their personal relationship with food, um, can you give us some examples of maybe what would um, constitute maybe something that a woman might experience if she has more of a negative relationship with food versus a more positive so that our listeners can kind of self-identify um, maybe where they're at on the spectrum and what is possible for them in the future? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to mention is diet mentality or diet talk. And some of these things include all or nothing eating. You're either all in or you're all out. You are doing perfectionistic eating. You're trying to be perfect or you're completely off, you know, <laughs> going crazy. You're either restricting or you're binging. And so these kinds of behaviors is what we call being in the diet mentality. 
And we're stuck because we can't find the balance with food because we're either looking at food as like, I should eat this or I shouldn't eat that. Or I don't know how to find the balance with this or that because I was told I was supposed to do it this way or this way has never worked for me. And so if you can tap into the stories that you tell yourself about food, you can identify if it's a negative relationship with food, you can find yourself stuck in a bit of a cycle where you're doing the same thing. You're trying to get better and then you quote fail Mm -hmm. and you try to get better and you, you get in this cycle of, I want to do better. I want to be perfect. I want to eat the right things. And then we get frustrated because we get stuck. And so that's a really good way to identify if you're feeling stuck in your relationship with food. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of women can relate to that idea of diet mentality. And, um, and I will say that the, um, that I totally agree with you. Um, and that is something that I see a lot in my clients, especially ones who have gone through a lot of dieting in the past is they tend to then bring that past and that history even over into macro counting and start to like, ask what are the rules and you know, what, how close do I have to hit my macros? And like, what if, you know, what if I don't hit my macros or what if I go over and like, they bring that, that perfectionistic or that all or nothing mentality, that idea of like, there's a right and a wrong way to do it into macro counting. And what I've talked a lot about on my podcast before is that just because some women bring that into macro hunting does not mean that's what macro hunting is. And that, that, um, in the way that I coach it and the way that I teach it, it moves you far away from that because I, I agree with what Elizabeth is saying that this diet mentality of like, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a good food and there's a bad food, very black and white thinking is exactly what is causing so many women to get frustrated and to struggle. And it's almost like you're talking about this continuum and we just find people on extremes, right? It's like good, bad, right, wrong. This is the way to do it. This isn't the way to do it. And when you sit on those extremes, um, you like feel like you're being swung back and forth. And what I think you're kind of offering to women is this idea that like we tend to default to the extremes, but what could it look like if we moved towards the, the middle? And so in your opinion, if a woman is experiencing those extremes right now and she wants to move more towards the middle, what are um, you know, some of the first steps that she can take to start to maybe improve step-by-step that relationship that she currently has with food? Okay. First, I knew this was going to be a good discussion and now I'm even more excited <laughs> brought in the pendulum. And this is what I talk to every single one of my students about is if we picture a pendulum, right? Where we, yes. we talk about swinging and you're right. So what happens, and you could even visualize it as like a tug of war where you end up either on the extreme side of dieting, the restriction, the rules, all of those things, and then you swing and you go freedom and no responsibility and all these things. And we don't, it's just like they're constantly pulling against each other. So I love that you brought that up. And that's exactly what I think both of us are trying to explain is that there is this happy middle. Mm-hmm. And how do we get there? Because yes the story that so many women have is that the way that they've done it is the only way they know. So it's kind of scary. And I want to honor that like fear of, well, I've never known another way. I've never known how to lose weight if I'm not on a diet. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of scary. And I come in and I say, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to listen to your own body. And you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. It doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) Because, Because they think that like listening to their body is what happens when they go to the extreme, but like, that's not what you're saying. You're not saying like, listen to your body and then go to that other extreme. You're like, there's this middle area. Yeah. And so there's a factor of trust in here to say like, 
we we do this with so many women and it works and it can be scary but there's a little you have to kind of find a little bit of a seed to plant and to trust that this works mm -hmm. to learn to swing to that middle and so i would just kind of say let's talk maybe through some steps to like take to bring yourself back to that middle yes the please. first thing that we want to do is identify those food stories so i talked a little bit about the diet talk the diet mentality earlier what are the stories that you are creating for yourself that you are believing as truth for yourself mm -hmm. i can't eat that because it will make me fat i can't i have to be on a diet that's the only way i won't gain a ton of weight mm -hmm. you know you've created these stories and so we don't often recognize them so the first thing that i say is recognize start to listen for the stories that you have and then the second thing that we want to do is learn to create new stories or new truths if you look at that story and you say hey is that the same for everyone is that the same for amber no she's doing it this way and she's successful and so we can kind of take other people's stories and we can also take some truths about food that like one thing isn't going to change the whole composition of your body, right? It's the mm -hmm. accumulation of your relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So we, we create new stories. Oh, you know what? I can, um, I know that I can start to listen to my body because Amber and Elizabeth are telling me like there is a way and I can listen and you create these new stories. Mm -hmm. And then step number three is always the scary one. <laughs> and everyone gets kind of mad at me when I say this, but you have to allow all food back into your life. It is a first step to being able to create the balance that you want. And mm -hmm. if you are in a place that like that's off limits, that's forbidden. I can't eat that because I'll be out of control with it. You're never going to fully make peace with food. Mm -hmm. And so I say that with a, trust the process, mm -hmm. allow food back into your life. And when you do that, then we can start bringing in the discussion of guidelines and things that you can follow with your nutrition. So good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to repeat those back because I want to really, really highlight what Elizabeth just said for those of you who are listening. And we're going to dive deeper into this because Elizabeth just like kind of gave you all these things and, and they're a lot harder than they sound, right? Like each of these steps, we could do like a whole podcast on each of these steps. So step number one is to recognize the diet stories that you're currently telling yourself. And I loved that prompt that you kind of gave of like, which foods, like, or like, which foods are currently off limits? What are you currently telling yourself when it comes to your body or it comes to like the food that you're eating? What, what are you, what is that inner dialogue that's going on? And so often that inner dialogue happens without us being consciously aware of it. So what Elizabeth was saying is like, we need to start becoming aware of that so that then number two, we can learn to create new stories. And Elizabeth gave the example of looking outside of yourself to other people, other examples of people who have been able to maybe achieve what you want to achieve and, and didn't have that restriction, right? So if you have this idea that like, I can't eat carbs, are you able to find people who are able to eat carbs and have the body you want? Of course you can, right? So that can help you to start to rewrite some of those stories. And then number three, which is allow all those, the foods back into your life. And I love that you say this kind of as a step-by-step -step process in that first we have to, we have to allow the, the freedom to be able to eat all foods. And then, yeah, once we've like now like discarded that restriction, then we can move to the place of like starting to make choices, right. And starting to like have guidelines and like move towards the goals that we want. But if you don't have, if you haven't moved through that space of allowing, like truly allowing all foods, you're not going to be able to effectively move 
through to having that healthy relationship with food while also achieving the goals that you want, which is exactly what both Elizabeth and I want for you. We want you to be able to have, have both. Um, so I kind of want to dive a little deeper into each of those if you're, if you're game. So if step number one is recognizing those diet stories, one of the problems that a lot of people come up against is that the stories that they tell themselves, the belief that they have formed because they formed them from childhood, they don't appear as beliefs. They appear, appear as truisms, right? That's just the way the world is. Like I cannot eat carbs or I gain fat. Like that's just the way it is. I've done that. You know, I've seen that over and over and over many years. So how do we start to um, identify these stories that we're telling ourselves because I, cause that, that is the first step. And it actually is a more challenging step than one would think. What are some tips that maybe you have for listeners to start to identify their own stories that they're telling themselves? Yeah, I think probably the most important thing to look at is to say, am I getting the results? Oh, good. Yes. Love it. <laughs> And if the answer is no, mm -hmm. then we know that there's something off. Mm -hmm. And so then we can kind of go backwards from that and say, okay, is there something about this that may not be right? It's okay to question these truisms, right? It's okay to mm -hmm. say like, these have been true for my life, but they're not getting me to where I want to go. And if you can identify some of those things. So let me give you an example. Let's say um, you are someone that you're all or nothing. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. You're either all in or you're completely all off. Mm -hmm. And so you have told yourself for so long that the only way that you have control over food is when you have a very strict plan to follow. And it works for a little while usually, right? We get, we have a little bit of willpower inside of us. And, and so it works for a little bit. And then as soon as we like get stressed or tired or life happens, all of a sudden, like that willpower is gone and we are tapping into like nothing. And we swing all the way to the other end of like, give me whatever I can eat. I'm starving. I haven't eaten. I've been restricting. And so you've told yourself that the only way to see success is to follow a diet. But if you look at the results and you say, well, what happens when I go on this strict plan and I go on to this all or nothing, it doesn't work out for me in the end. So that's the, the identifying of the belief right there. That must be a belief and you can name it. This is something I love to do with my students too, is like, name it. Hey, I know you, you're a food story. Mm -hmm. And I'm changing my stories, like identify them. And when they start to come up, like I used to have one with M&Ms. Mm. I could not control myself around M&Ms. Like mm -hmm. I just ate them and I knew that they couldn't be around because I couldn't control myself around them. And that was a story for me. Mm -hmm. And I had created it as truth in my life. And as soon as I identified that it wasn't serving me, it wasn't helping me and recognizing that other people can be around M&Ms and be just fine, then I knew that it was a story and not a truth, not something that like I couldn't ever change. Oh, that's so good. And I think it's like your exercise physiologist background, but it's like so science oriented, right? Like, are you getting the result? If so, if, if A, you're getting the result, keep going. If B, you're not getting the result, like then there's something there. And, and that's a lie that a lot of women tell themselves as they're like, well, dieting works or like restricting calories works. But then I always want to come back and be like, it works 
until it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work long-term. And if it did, you wouldn't be here talking to me. And so that's something that I really want you to understand is that um, if you're listening to this, because you don't have the results that you want, there's something there that is preventing you from getting those results. And so while you may be telling yourself the story that like, I have to eat low carb or I have to like go through diets or I have to, whatever restrictions you've put up, um, because in your mind you have this idea that that's the only way to get success. You can look in your past and say, Hey, has it worked? Um, my guess is if you're listening to this, no, <laughs> which is why we start to have these conversations. Right. And I, and I love that you're helping them to identify, um, what may be holding them back from those results that we want. Cause that's exactly what you and I both want for anybody listening. We just want you to get the results that you want. Um, and if there's things holding you back, then as a coach, we want to help to coach you through those to create those new stories that are going to more successfully support your goals. So yeah. that was awesome. I loved, I loved how you um, broke that down for like recognizing those stories. And then, um, if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, maybe I've identified that I can't eat carbs. Or for example, I had a client just recently who told me that she came into my program with the, um, the thought, a belief that she couldn't eat corn, like corn, like she hadn't eaten corn since she was like a child. Um, so that was like her belief. So then how do we learn to recreate those stories that feel like truisms that feel like we have all of this evidence to support it? How do we create new stories that are going to better support the results that we want? Yeah, this is kind of where that, I guess I'd call it the inside out approach comes where we start to tap into our own bodies. And so we could identify like, why, what is the, where did the story about corn come from? Oh, good. Was it, did you eat it and you didn't feel good? That's a different story than yeah. you were told that you shouldn't eat it. And this is actually a really good example. There's an example in the intuitive eating book. Mm -hmm. about a woman that wanted cornbread, cornbread, cornbread. And she was told she could not have cornbread. Mm -hmm. And all day long, she like tried to satisfy the craving for cornbread by eating everything else. And at the end of the night, she still wanted the cornbread mm -hmm. and she just ate it and realized if she had just eaten it, it would satisfy, it would have satisfied her from the beginning. And so if we can tap into this, this is exactly where we start to tap into the inner wellness, our inside wellness. What what kinds of stories are serving your body versus maybe serving like your brain, right? So she was told, maybe she was told that she couldn't eat corn or, or maybe someone was told that they couldn't eat something, but they've never actually experienced it themselves mm -hmm. versus let's say like I have some gluten and dairy sensitivities and I have had to learn for my body that those things don't really feel that great when I eat them, <laughs> I can still eat them because I have the food freedom that I, that I want, but I have learned to tap into my body to say, you know what? I know people are saying carbs are bad or gluten is bad. Right. But my decision to not eat gluten has nothing to do with a diet talk. It has to do with my body. And so if you can start to tap into that kind of story mm. and listen from within, and that's what happens when you allow all foods, then you can start listening. Hey, that made me feel better. That didn't make me feel better. You know, that's what bringing macros into it. I mean, I am, that's most of my background is science. And so when we talk about that, like from a physiological standpoint, those things make you feel better, mm -hmm. but we have a behavior side mm -hmm. and we have to marry the two. We have to recognize that there's a behavior around food and there's science in food that fuels your body. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So good. And, um, how much more of an empowering story is that when you, you know, bringing back where you're talking about, of um, when you allow all foods, it, it doesn't mean that you necessarily eat all foods all the time, but it comes that the choice, whether or not you eat gluten or whether or not you eat corn or whether or not you eat the Skittles or whatever, it doesn't come from a restriction mentality. It comes from a, a legit choice of like what you want to eat, but it's, it's open to you if you wanted to do that. And, and that's such a beautiful place because I, I, I think, um, we can swing really far to one side and be like, all foods are, you know, you can eat all foods and like, whatever, who cares how it makes you feel. But then there, there are people like you or people, a lot of people who feel better eating, eating certain foods. Um, and we don't want to bring in this idea that like it's diet mentality or it's diet culture that you have said, Hey, my body doesn't feel very good eating corn so I, or gluten, so I'm not going to do it. Um, that, but that choice for you is coming from an empowered place, not from a place of restriction. And I think even though the end result may be that you don't eat gluten, to me, the most important thing is where that decision is coming from. Is it coming yeah. from a restrictive mentality or a diet, like diet mentality, or is it coming from an empowered, I can make choices about what feels good for me and my body and what aligns with the results that I want to get. And that's, that's where I want you guys to get to. That's that's where I want you to be. And that's the happy middle. That's yes. where the pendulum swings to the middle. Yes. It's normal to have, you know, when you're all the way on the diet side of the pendulum, it's normal to swing really far. And so we're trying to teach you like, how do we get back to that middle? Because you're going to be playing tug of war with those for a little bit as yeah. you try to change these stories. Yeah. So what if there's somebody who's listening who has started to identify, oh my gosh, I feel that way about Skittles, or I feel that way about carbs, or I feel that way about bread, or whatever it is, they started to identify that. And then we get to the step three that you, you know, just bomb dropped on them that we have to like allow all those foods into your life. And for a lot of women, there's the fear that I'm sure you're associated with of like going into that of feeling like if I allow bread into my life, or if I allow Skittles into my life, I'm just gonna binge and I'm just gonna like go off the rails and um, like how do we start to tiptoe towards that um, or start to start to allow those foods into our, our um, life with that fear that we have that we're going to lose control? Yeah. And you know, you might not like this answer, but you might swing really far to the other yeah. side. Like, yeah. This is normal. And, yes. and it's, it's absolutely normal for you. If you have been restricting so many foods mm -hmm. to lose control. Okay. And I yeah. want you to like, if you feel this way, that is normal. And that's, um, it, it's the timeline is different for everyone. I can't sit here and say like, there's a timeline that you would get back to the middle, but it happens. And I want to give you a little example from a client of mine. Um, she used to struggle with ice cream and if ice cream was in her freezer, it was always gone. Like she mm -hmm. couldn't have it in her house because she would binge on it and eat it constantly. And we said, you know, we talked and we said, okay, it's time to allow this into your life. And she did it. And she went out and bought ice cream. And guess what? She ate a lot of ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she ate a lot of ice cream. And she just kept going and going and going. And then something happened. She realized like the ice cream was no longer off limits. And this is one of those things where I almost have to say trust. I can't explain what happens exactly because it's going to be different for everyone, but it happens mm -hmm. and it happens for everyone that you get into this place where, you know, what? I can have the ice cream. I remember she said, I have ice cream sitting in my fridge right now and I don't even care and I can eat it whenever I want. Mm -hmm. And I feel really good about that. And she was even like, she was losing weight while ice cream was still in her freezer. And those are the kind of results that happen when you bring those foods into your life. So 
I recognize that it's scary and you probably will binge because you've had a lot of things off limits for so long. But eventually, just like, you know, when you think about kids and toys, like it loses its excitement Mm -hmm. and you realize that it can just be on the shelf and you can grab it when you want it. And that's what food freedom is. That's what a happy relationship with food is. But we have to take those hard steps to get there. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you say that because I think a lot of women experience that swing and they think, oh, no, no, I did something wrong. Right. And what you're saying is like, no, that's actually a manifestation that you're on the path to get to where you want. It's like, if you're, if you want to go through a mountain, like you have to go through the tunnel, right. And the tunnel gets really dark and it's really scary. And you're like, am I ever going to come out on the other side? That's not, that's not evidence that you should turn around. (laughs) That's evidence that you should keep going because like on the other side of that is being able to find that period of moderation. And for women who have restricted for so long, sometimes it is, you got the pendulum got, has to swing to the other side before it can then settle in the middle. And you can feel what that moderation actually feels like, but it is, it's, it's a trust, um, trust thing that you have to experience and go through. And if you need hope, just know that there will be a, a time for guidelines. Like if you yeah. feel scared, um, know that there can come a point where we can talk about nutrition mm-hmm. from an educated and ready standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious about this because um, I, I, I coach clients and I use macro counting as a tool in, in my programs. Um, and I think there are like two lines of thinking in um, sometimes with macro counters, they feel like macro counting leads them to food freedom. And for some other people, they feel like you need to have that food freedom first, and then you can go into macro counting. Um, and I've honestly seen it both work both ways. And so who am I to tell you like the exact way that you should do it? Um, but I'm curious from a, you know, from your standpoint and from your education background and your experience with clients, if one of your clients wants to count macros, what are some things that you want to make sure that they have in place so that they can um, be successful both emotionally and physically as they go into that process? That's a really good question. I think it's important that they're aware of their own stories so that they can go into it because here's the thing, I could give you a plan. I could give anyone a plan and I could say, follow it and you'll get the results. Like it's, it's science, right? Like we know these things for the most part, I mean, we've got hormones and things, but like for the most part, if you do a, you'll get B. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what I learned as my, in my first days as like a personal trainer, and I'd say like, you do a, you get B and they'd be like, well, something came in the middle of that life. (laughs) You know, I got stuck. Yes. if they can identify the things that are maybe getting in their way, those roadblocks, and they can know how to get through them. And these are things that both of us coach through. Mm -hmm. If they can identify those as roadblocks and not completely like, just say like, I'm giving up, I'm done or whatever, but recognize like there are going to be roadblocks Mm -hmm. and your, your diet talk is going to come up Mm -hmm. and you have to know how to identify it. If you can recognize that and say, okay, I'm going to be working along, working on this alongside this, then they can go together really Mm. well. So good. And back to like something that you said that I took a note on um, earlier, you talked about how there's like the science of food, but then there's the behavior side. And I think that's what you're really speaking to here is that, yeah, like A equals B, like macros is science. Like that is, that is physiology. Like it is science-based, but just because you say do X and, you know, do X and get Y, 
there's stuff that happens in the middle and that's the behavioral stuff. And that isn't fixed by um, just trying harder. And I, that's what I find a lot of my clients, they get into this pattern of thinking, um, you know, before they work with me, they're like, well, I just have to try harder. Like A equals B. I just have to try harder to do A. And then they beat themselves up and they have this story that like they're never going to be successful and they're the problem and they need more motivation and they need more willpower when actually it's because we haven't addressed what's in the middle there and what you talk about as the behavior side or as life that's going on in between A and B. Um, and so I'm, I love that you, that you talked about that because I think it is the missing piece for so many women. And it's why some women can count macros and it works and some women can count macros and it doesn't. It's not because like the science is there, <laughs> but it's the in between the science that, um, that is missing for a lot of women. Yeah. And you know, I, I gotta put you on the spot. Are you perfect at your macros all the time? No. And I actually coach my clients to not because I like that is all or nothing thinking. And that sets you up for that long, that's that, that problem with, um, having that yo-yo diet mentality. And so I actually really encourage my clients to like, not necessarily always hit their macros, like to look at it as a guideline, but ultimately as a choice and you can choose, you're an adult woman. You can choose to go over your macros anytime you want. Um, yeah. So I get on my soapbox about that because I, I see this thing that is science-based and like works for so many women. And then I see coaches take it and they use it as another diet. And it really, irks my tater <laughs> when yeah. I, when I see something that can be so like empowering for women. And then I see it just boiled down to another diet of like, here's numbers. You follow them. If you don't follow them, well, that's, you just need to try harder. That, that really, really irks me. So. Yeah. Um, and I think people think that just because we're coaches, we're perfect at it too. And, and yeah. I'm really very clear in saying like, yeah, I try not to eat gluten dairy, but guess what? I did have a piece of cake the other day. Like sure. I am also normal and, and that's okay. And you're right. Like it isn't, educated decision. It's a, it's a yes. choice that it's an I made. Decision. I'm not going to go back down the diet spiral yeah. with just that one choice. Yeah. And my listeners know that I don't count macros anymore. Like I'm very open with saying that I use it as a tool to be able to achieve results and to achieve transformations that I wanted to put on muscle, to add strength, to like get lean, like for all of those things. And what I learned from that now I can apply to my life, but I don't track I don't count my macros. I don't weigh my food and I don't need to because I had that experience of doing it and I can use that knowledge to make empowered choices right now for where I want to be in my life. And that's what I want my clients to get to. If you're listening, like that is what I want you to, to come away with. I don't want you to count macros for the rest of your life. I want you to use it and understand it and be able to allow it to empower you to make more informed choices and decisions. Um, I used to, you know, it's funny. I used to tell my clients, I used to do one-on-one. -on -one, I don't anymore, but I used to tell them, I don't want to see you for the rest of your life. Right. I want to give you the tools. I want you yeah. to have the tools. And then I want you to go and say, I don't need you anymore. Like yeah. that is the biggest yes. compliment for me is say, I don't need you anymore because I've got it figured out. <laughs> yes. So good. I had one of my clients once she, I, I like share this because it's such like a good step-by-step -step, and I'm sure like your clients kind of feel the same way. Cause you want the same end result. You want them to coach themselves. Um, and she's like, at first it was like you coaching me. And then I started hearing you in my, in my head, like you were coaching me in my head. And then eventually it turned to me coaching me in my head. Right. And, and like, I get chills when I hear that because that's what we want as coaches is we want, like, it doesn't need to be me coaching you. Like I want it to be you coaching yourself in your head. And that's such a more empowered place for you to be addressing, um, uh, you know, your, your journey and like your, your life is from that empowered place of like, you are your best coach. Yes. Um, so, um, I'm curious for you, what are some of your current health and fitness goals? Like, what are you working on? 
Mm. What am I working on? <laughs> I am one of the things that I just love to do. We live like 15 minutes away from the mountains. So I love to trail run. So my goal always is that I can walk out the door and hop on any trail that I want and go run it. And that is like that's cool. Number one goal. I've always had a goal in the back of my head to do a pull-up. Ah. <laughs> I can't say I'm actively working on it, but maybe you can help me out with that. Oh my gosh, I have a free pull-up program. Is the yes. six weeks to your I'm first pu- to your first pull-up? It's at bicepsunderbeads.com forward slash pull dash up. So yeah. Oh my gosh. But you bring up a really good point, Elizabeth, because there are so many women who I hear that want that goal. Um, and you were so honest about saying, but I'm not actually working towards it, right? I have this idea, but I'm not actually taking the steps to make it happen. Like, which is fine. Like no, no shade at all. Like, um, but if you do have a goal and, and, and pull-ups is your goal, it is something that you have to actively work and you're not going to just accidentally yes. be able to do a pull-up. Um, so if you want it six week program, I definitely have that, but um, yeah, that's exciting. I love, uh, I don't love trail running, but I love that you love trail running <laughs> and I love that you have, uh, even trails close to you. I mean, I live in Southern California, like it's like concrete as far as the I can see. So, yeah. um, don't put me on a bike though. So I'm like, I'm kind of the opposite. If you put me on a bike, I'm totally out. <laughs> You're like, I'm out. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Um, so last, you know, last question I, I am curious and I'm kind of, kind of bringing back uh, some of the things that we talked about maybe at the beginning, um, of this world of intuitive eating and maybe this world of macro counting. And oftentimes we see on social media of like, um, feeling like both can't coexist. <laughs> like one has to be the right way to do it. And, and if, if macro counting is right, then intuitive eating wrong, is wrong. And if intuitive eating is right, and then macro counting is wrong. Um, and I hope that what we've shared today and what listeners took away is that there's a way for us to bridge these two worlds, that they don't have to be against each other, that they can actually work in harmony to be able to um, help you towards the goals that you have. And so I'm curious, um, what has your experience been with the two worlds? And um, what would you say is the bridge that that can bridge the two where we're both on board with, with the same thing? That is a great question. <laughs> and one of the reasons I reached out to you is because I, I feel like the way that you teach it is, is in that way, you know, bridging that gap already, you know? And so what I would probably say is that, um, I think it's important to go in again, go inside and look at what you're wanting out of your life how do you want to show up for your life? And I always say I teach intuitive eating with a twist, right? Mm. Because I'm, I do believe that it's okay to have goals and it's okay to want to change. It's, it's okay. Body change is a good goal, yeah. but the way that we approach it has to be the right way or you'll never be happy with it. There are tons of women who have lost weight and it's not a happy weight loss. Yeah. They still don't love their bodies. Yep. Right. And so if we can, when we think about bridging that gap, it's looking at, okay, how can I work on healing that relationship and identifying my stories that are, is the diet talk. Mm-hmm. And then how can I bring in science and, and recognize that eating macro friendly is the way that my body's going to show up the best mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. So if you, I guess that's kind of like, maybe I'm fumbling through the answer, but basically it's saying, how can I show up best for this world? 
And I know that I have to have good behaviors around food. And I also have to get the right kinds of food that physiologically fuel me to do the things that I want to do, to show up. And that's why I eat the foods that fuel my body so that I can go and hit those trails anytime I want. I don't have to train for them because I daily train for them, right? There are things that we can train for that we have to push through and work hard. But there's also this level of what life do I want to live? Mm-hmm. And how can I use my behaviors toward food and the science of food and put them together so that I can live my best life and show up in the best way? Oh my gosh. So many AMNs, so many <laughs> hallelujahs, like so, so good. And I am, yeah, I, I, I don't really have anything else to add to that other than like a big fat amen. Um, so if someone's wanting to connect with you, Elizabeth, if they're like, heck yes, I want to learn more. I will like want to connect with her online or DM or whatever. How is the best way for people to connect with you and find you? Yes. So I'm most active on Instagram. I'm at a woman of wellness and my website, I have a free course that helps you overcome emotional eating. So if you really struggle with emotional eating, it's a really great, um, mini course that like dives into dealing with your emotion and working through food. And, um, I also have a full food freedom program where I help women go like get away from that pendulum swing and find that happy middle. So all of it is on a woman of wellness.com as well. Awesome. And we will link all of those up in the show notes so that you can, um, find and connect with Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming on and for sharing with my audience and for helping me to bridge this gap a little bit between our two worlds and show that, you know, Hey, we kind of want the same thing. And, um, we really just want you to be successful. And I'm just really grateful that you are willing to take the time and come and share with my audience. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thanks. Wasn't that awesome? I really hope that you enjoyed that episode and listening to Elizabeth and I talk about two things that people sometimes pit against each other. Like the, it's like the macros crew. It's like the dieters over here, diet culture. And over here is intuitive eaters. And like, you can't see eye to eye. And we're just arguing over who's the right one. Like it doesn't have to be that way. (laughs) And what I loved about Elizabeth and what she was willing to share and come on the podcast and talk about is the similarities between the things that we do with our clients and how we are able to get results and how the end goal of getting you to the place to feel freedom, to feel like you can create the life that you want is really the end destination and the end goal. So I'm really, I'm really grateful to Elizabeth for coming on the podcast. And I hope that we will be able to have more of these types of conversations with people who may believe differently than us, may have a different perspective. I think the more that we can build these types of bridges, the more women we can end up helping. And that's, that's the real end destination that we really want. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. 
thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio. 